Welcome to the She He We Awakening podcast. We are a wife and husband therapy team whose professional and personal lives are centered on psychology and spirituality. We love sharing what we've learned on our journey of becoming conscious through relationship, and we invite you to get to know us and hopefully hear in our stories something that can support you in your life too. Hello, my love. We meet again. Hello, hello. <laughs> Today, we are going to talk about a really fascinating topic, the pre-trans fallacy. And this is something that um, you and I have been exploring the various expressions of it for literally years, Mm -hmm. Um, having these conversations like we do (laughs) casually, randomly, Um, something pops into our head and we go, oh, there's a pre-trans version of this and we sort of add it to the list. And so now it feels like time to, to introduce this topic because it's also, it's sort of a prerequisite for talking about a number of other more, um, I hesitate to say advanced, um, but I'll say advanced mm-hmm. <laughs> concepts, um, psychologically, spiritually, um, with respect to waking up, awakening. So I'm going to introduce it today, help people understand it, and um, yeah, and then use it as a springboard to go into other topics and conversations later. Right. So the pre-trans fallacy, the term itself, was coined by this guy, Ken Wilber, who is a a spiritual researcher, someone who's a Buddhist um, and has written a lot of different books. I think his maybe his most famous books book was called like Spiral Dynamics or something like that. Well, he was talking in his his books about how when we heal and we evolve, it feels like we're coming around back around to the same place multiple times when in fact it's more of a spiral journey. And we can uh, question ourselves as we're healing and awakening, whether we're right back to the beginning or not, because mm-hmm. things that we do as we go along can look very similar to the behaviors that we had in the past. And confusing the later and more advanced behaviors and patterns for the more primitive or beginner patterns and behaviors is Um, conflation. So it's this pre-trans fallacy of the falseness of of comparison. So go ahead. Yeah. Or or just to to kind of, I don't know, you're going to explain it more here in a second, but to just put that in different terms, it's, there's a pre, um, pre pre-evolved or pre-evolutionary idea or way of being with an idea and then trans means transcendent. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea is that if you don't know better or if you're not able to discern um, the subtleties that the way of being with it on the pre side looks a whole lot and feels a whole lot like the way of being with it on the trans side. Mm-hmm. So hence your word conflation. Those, they're very easy to conflate. No, they're like, different. Yeah, they're light years apart. There are, you know, several, there may be one layer up or several layers up on the spiral. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the, go the, ahead. Dif- the difference is it's, it's not just semantics. That's, that's really important. Um, mm-hmm. The difference is essential um, in terms of our state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so we can have conversations about some of those ideas and topics and it helps to um, kind of paint a picture of what it looks and feels like to go through that evolutionary process. Yes. Um, the spiral dynamics work comes from integral spirituality. That's mm-hmm. a, that's the book. That's, that his, that's his other big one. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so um, when you're born, you are uh, egoless. You don't have any sense of self. You haven't developed a sense of self yet, or you have a very primitive sense of self that begins to form as you are growing up. And so they say that you are lost in the unified ground of consciousness in the infant state. You don't even know yourself to be separate from your mother. And that increases over time. And you begin to develop more and more of a separate sense of self. Um, however, for a lot of people, uh, they don't actually develop a fully separate sense of self. And so they continue to be kind of enmeshed or um, lost in the collective. And we're going to talk about lots of different ways that looks and feels. Um, as a person grows and heals, they can develop a sense of self. They can individuate. And then when they're uh, aware that they're on a spiritual journey or process of awakening, that separate sense of self starts to dissolve and the enlightened person finds themselves once again in that unified ground, knowing themselves to be source. But because the saint or the enlightened person has gone through the entire process of ego development, individuation, and letting go of the sense of self, it's a very different place than the baby. Yes, it's a it's a different perspective of consciousness for the quote individual. Mm-hmm. And I also, as somebody who loves alchemy um, and that that alchemical philosophical approach to things, it, it's not just about the the individual's shift in consciousness. That is fundamentally different from the pre-ego to post or trans-ego place. Um, But there's also something that happens, in my opinion, to consciousness itself. There's an alchemical process that takes place in the going through that that whole spiral and experiencing that whole dynamic as a human being that that transforms um, not just the, quote, personal consciousness and personal perspective, but but transforms the the physical world itself. Mm. So it is, it's, it's very important to make that distinction. Okay. So if you're a person who is in the pre-state and you think you are in the trans state, so 
we're going to, again, we're going to talk about all the ways, different ways of seeing this. But Mm -hmm. if you think you're in the pre-state or if you think you're in the trans state, but you're really in the pre-state, that's called elevationism. So you're elevating your, your perspective to this transcendental place. And that's the spiritualized ego that we talked about in the other episode. Mm -hmm. And if you are in the transcendental place, the healed individual past post-individuation place um you can be afraid that you are in the pre-state that's called reductionism yes and i think that um that point is why it's worth having this discussion um doing this podcast um and and having this conversation with people because if we can begin to understand where we're making either of those mistakes, um, mm-hmm. it can help us shift through these things more quickly, right? If 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 we can understand and, and look at our perspectives and recognize, oh, I I have this perspective of myself that I thought was the saintly perspective, or that I've heard and been taught is the saintly perspective, and so I just took that perspective and put it on, but we can look and see sometimes that we do that and that's not, it doesn't really fit that, that we're really wearing the pre version of that concept. And if we don't become aware of that, then we just stay stuck there. Right. And I think that's a huge trap for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for myself, what has been more recently prevalent is definitely evolving into that transcendental place but being on guard for the pre-state mm-hmm. and being afraid that, oh, I'm doing this again. Why am I doing this thing again? Yep. Not recognizing that, not remembering that I have gone through an incredible journey of evolution since you know the old days when I did this particular pattern or saw things this way. Right. It's really quite different. So, so. Shall we go through and Mm -hmm. give some examples of concepts that have both pre and trans um, ways of relating? Sure. So the first one on our list is um, impersonal, where the um, pre-state, so the um, primitive state, is one of having no sense of boundaries, a weak ego, um, no ability to assert a, a personality. Mm-hmm. Um, where and the trans state is that of having already individuated, already asserted your individual self, your persona in the world, and relaxing all of the need to do that. Right. Yes, and so. Um, I think that um, if if people are um, exploring spirituality, especially Eastern traditions, um, then they're bound to run into and hear teachings about the impersonal nature of the self, the impersonal nature of the universe of creation, and I think that that can sound um scary mm-hmm. to people 
or, or unpleasant um, because in the pre-experience of impersonal, there are associations of um, unloving or, or lack of love. Being a or, doormat. Or lack of, right, being a doormat, <laughs> lack, of, lack of worth, um, lack of acceptance, lack of caring. These are all things that, that are associated with personhood, right? And, and we have expressions like, you know, um, criticisms of, of people. We say, well, that, you know, this person didn't even, didn't even treat me like I was a person, mm-hmm. right? Or, or this person is so cold and impersonal, right? So that, those are all descriptions and ways of relating to this idea of impersonal that are pre. Mm-hmm. Um, pre-developmental, let's say. And so um, for somebody who is still um, either in that place or has progressed out of that into an appreciation of personhood and, and personality, but their only experience of the impersonal is the pre-state, then it can become an obstacle when people start talking about and teaching that, that the truth is impersonal. And we, and when we're in that middle zone in between the pre and the trans and somebody says, well, the universe is actually impersonal. Mm-hmm. Our only reference point to impersonal is the pre state. And we go, well, that wasn't very fun. Right. <laughs> because it was, it was cold and unloving and uncaring. And so, now you're telling me that's the nature of the universe. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's a, it's a good example of where it's important for somebody to hear in advance and to know that, no, no, the, the impersonal that we're talking about that's transcendent is fundamentally different from the impersonal that you have known previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I was definitely a poster child for the pre-state for most of my life. People would give me all kinds of feedback like, you're so good at navigating change. Like it doesn't ever seem to phase you when things change. Like you're you're so selfless. Do you do you ever feel bothered by any of this? And I mean, I was very bothered by most of it. Um, however, I had learned to just uh, not assert myself or have any kinds of boundaries or. Um, any kind of thought of myself as my own individual person. Mm. Um, It was in a very, it was a lot of uh, enmeshment. I just saw myself as being enmeshed with everyone else. So don't rock the boat because then people will fall off the boat and someone else's feelings will get hurt. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We've even done a previous podcast, a couple previous podcasts, especially as it pertains to the relationship material where we talk to people about, the importance of not taking things personally mm-hmm. in relationship, right? And so that teaching is pointing towards helping people move from the middle zone into the transcendent zone. Right. And so that teaching for people who have a strong sense of their personhood, for people who have an overly strong sense and are trapped in their personhood, mm-hmm. in particular in relationship, the personhood is a problem Mm -hmm. and it is a cause of problems. And so we talk about and teach 
and help people shift from that intense fixture of personhood into into the transcendent impersonal by saying don't take things so personally mm-hmm. and and that is a higher truth but that that teaching wouldn't be appropriate to somebody who is still in the pre state or experience of the impersonal right right those are the people who would need to hear no it's it's not okay for you to be treated like you're not a person mm-hmm. it's not okay for you to be treated like a doormat it's not okay for you to um, be physically or emotionally abused and just think well that's as good as it gets and I don't really have any control here so I guess I'll just suck it up and do my best right we would never tell yeah. somebody in that place, oh, well, it's it's not personal anyway, so don't worry about it. <laughs> that's that doesn't help people transition. And and that's one of the core concepts here is that we mm. can't we can't skip over the middle. Right. Right. We we have to do the work, so to speak. We have to perform the alchemy. You can't you can't take lead. And in alchemy, and then just say, okay, I'm going to take the lead and do a single poof to it and turn it into gold. Um, that's That would be magical thinking. You have to subject the lead to a series of chemical processes. It has to first be dissolved into a solution, and then certain things have to be burned away, and then elements have to be extracted combined with new elements. Heat has to be applied, and all of these things have to be done. And only through the chemical reactions at the end do you get cold, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's the same thing with with our psyche. Um, we don't we don't skip the middle. So you don't go to somebody who is lost in the pre impersonal and and teach that person or tell that person, well, the universe is just impersonal anyway. So congratulations, you're enlightened. You're already there. right and I think I think that's unfortunately uh, part of um, the difficulty in spiritual communities because spiritual communities have people in all levels of awareness um, and that that are drawn to the teachings and some people are in that middle place they have done psychological work, self-study, self-realization work to understand who they are as an individual, unique person. And then you have some people like myself who show up in these communities, you know, how I showed up, um, not really having full awareness of my life, my preferences, really not knowing myself as a, an individual ego and, um, being told that, you know, it's all love and light and letting it all go and all of that uh, wouldn't have served me at all. I would have just continued on with my fairy tale unicorn, love is life is perfect, um, mm-hmm. you know, journey forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spiritual, spiritually bypassing, essentially. Yep. Right. yep. Because I hadn't done any of the work of, you know, the hard work of setting boundaries in my life and and speaking my own, you know, when people say they just need to speak their truth, mm-hmm. what they're talking about is speaking the truth of their ego. And that is a useful process for people. Yeah, it's, it's useful. And, and sticking with my alchemical frame of reference, it's, it's essential. It's non-negotiable. 
Yeah. Right. That 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 must take place and must be appreciated and must happen. Um, or the or the transcended place doesn't come to yeah. me. Yeah. It kind of reminds us. me also of that Ken Wilber talk that you and I listened to once about waking up, growing up, showing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's there's a waking up process of like recognizing um, the oneness of us all. And there's the growing up process, which mm-hmm. people try to skip that process. That's the doing, doing, uh, feeling your feelings and um, going into old uh, shadow stuff and working with it. And then there's a showing up part in your life, which is, you know, me saying to somebody, Hey, it's not okay that you've canceled and no showed your appointments with me. You have to uh, reimburse me for my time, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So point one is impersonal. There's Mm -hmm. the pre impersonal, which is not having a sense of your own personhood and value. And Mm -hmm. then there's the trans place of impersonal where one recognizes that personhood is really illusory that that the separate self um is not a real entity um that our true our true nature is that of the self um, which is beyond all separation and beyond all individual persons Mm -hmm. yeah i think of from that place i think of the ego as an illusion that's in service to the self. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great. Okay. Next. Yeah. Okay. So the next place um, is powerlessness. So in the pre-state, we feel that we don't have any personal power or ability to affect change in our lives or in the lives of people around us. There's sort of a crumpled mm-hmm. <laughs> flaccidness <Yeah. laughs> to the energy of like, yeah. woe is me. There's nothing I can do here. What can yes. I do? <laughs> yeah. A place of victimhood. Yes. It is. It is victimhood. Mm-hmm. And then in the, we, we work to, um, come to the trans place by understanding that there are places that we can affect change. We work on becoming empowered to mm-hmm. affect change in our lives through all kinds of strategies. Right. So we find our quote, personal power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, I, and then and, and I put that, in, that goes in quotes because we just got done two minutes ago saying that the person is illusory. Right. <laughs> so, but nonetheless, the experience in that middle place, when, when one still identifies with their personhood and mm-hmm. their ego is, oh, look, I, the person have power. I have agency. I, I can control my experience in the world. Right. And the transcendental place of that is um, similar it's still the attitude of I can't do anything, but it's uh, different because um, when you're seeing through the perspective of the self, the ego doesn't do anything. Um, the self is doing everything through the, the tool of the ego. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So there's a sense of um, false distance there, I suppose. <laughs> there's just right. an appropriate relationship between self and the ego, the mind, the body, the ego. Right. These mind, body, ego is is a tool through which self acts. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, in the Bible, um, people were marveling at the miracles that Jesus performed and and Jesus says, of my own self, I do nothing. And so that is an expression of powerlessness. Mm-hmm. When, when Jesus was speaking as Jesus, the human ego person born in Nazareth, right? When that, when that entity speaks, that entity rightly says, I'm powerless. I have no power. Of my own self, I do nothing. Right, which he's pointing to, of my own separate self, I do nothing. That's right. The persona, the ego, the personality, the person does nothing. It's the self, i.e. God, that is doing all the work. Right. Right. So when you're in the pre-state of powerlessness, it's important to um, not abandon the the concept of having a sense of personal power and try to leap into the trans place of, I don't know, there's nothing I can do. And, um, you know, we'll just let it all evolve and unfold. Right. Right. Or or one of the greatest um, spiritual bypass statements of all time, let go and let God. (laughs) And this is, this is why this kind (laughs) This is this is why this is really important to have this conversation about pre-trans. Yeah, yes. Because, because, well, yes, there's a truth there in the transcendent place. That's what Jesus was saying when Jesus said, "Of my own self, I, I do nothing." Jesus mm-hmm. was saying, "I let go and let God." Mm-hmm. But but he was anchored in the transcendent experience and relationship to that idea. Right. Most people, when they, well. I don't know. I'm not taking polls. In my experience, <laughs> um, the energy is quite obviously one of personal powerlessness when um, people use that expression. They're, they're frustrated with the events of their life. Um, you and I as therapists who work with people's psyches on a daily basis can sort of look over there and see sort of the obvious absurdities right and of course we do the same thing with each other as well (laughs) so as always takes one to know one right right um but we can look and see the obvious absurdities of of what's happening in their personality and their psyche with the 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 complexes that haven't been worked out the shadow material that's going on there and these these obvious places that are clearly calling to to be worked with Mm-hmm. on a level of personal power. And, and yet every time somebody bumps into one of those, instead of doing the chemistry, doing the alchemical work that takes effort and courage and great humility, um, we, we bump into those things and go, well, this just got really hard. I guess I'll just let go and let God. And, right. and, and that would be... <laughs> Abandoning the process, abandoning the alchemy, um, in the pre-state, in yeah. the pre-state, yeah. right? Exactly. I was just talking about the let go, let God affirmation. 
to a friend the other day. And I was remembering that when I first started doing my healing work, when I was in this enmeshed and powerless and very victimized place, your mom taught me this affirmation that I remembered incorrectly, ironically. The way I remembered it was everything is unfolding in the highest good of everyone involved at all times. So let go and let God. And this is the affirmation that I had in my head. And I didn't believe it at all. Like there was no part of me that actually knew that to be true. Mm-hmm. It was just like a, a nice handy, like like I think of it as a, a like a lucky rabbit's foot almost. Mm-hmm. Like I just clung to it with like for dear life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, so I used to say it and repeat it in my head when, when shit was going down, <laughs> like, okay, everything's in, happening in the highest yeah. good. <laughs> um, and then I eventually stopped doing that. I stopped thinking about that affirmation. I just let it go um, because I was, and the reason why I could let it go is because I was developing a sense of like uh, confidence in my, in my own persona, in my own personality. That's right. That I was taking care of things, that I was acting with integrity, that I was doing things that were in alignment with um, my inner knowing. Um, but but it's funny now because I've kind of I come up into this affirmation from a really different place now, of knowing that everything is unfolding in the right. highest good at all times, and well, so sure. I can be surrendered. My ego can be surrendered. Yeah, you come into it from the transcendent place now. Yes. Right. Before <laughs> before when you were given that affirmation, you 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 were really still on that border between pre state and and middle state and what you really right. needed was encouragement to be a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And to and to take action. So so again the opportunity for bypassing here is why this whole pre-trunk pre-trans concept is worth exploring because, you know, sure, you can get a diagnosis of, um, you know, uh, metabolic syndrome, right? And the doctors right. go, well, it runs in your family, it's gender, whatever it is, heart disease or yeah. whatever. Well, all right, well, it's there, it's in the genetics, like nothing to do, you know, when I go, I go, I'm just going to let go and let God. It's like, okay, well, yeah, or you could, you know, exercise for the first time in your life. <laughs> Right. And, (laughs) and stop eating junk food. Right. And uh, right. There's, there are, there are ways to take action that, that are important Mm -hmm. um, that come first. We can't, we can't skip that. And um, well, I mean, we can, we're just not evolving in consciousness. We're not, we're not, we're not awakening. That's not an awakened place. Right. So if I had clung to that affirmation without doing any kind of showing up in my life, um, I'd just be saying that affirmation for the rest right. of my life <laughs> and feeling really un- unhappy with how my life was that's, turning that's out. Right. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I've, well, I've, yeah. I've surrendered. I don't know why this is still a shit yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. 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 You'll spend the whole rest of your life um, letting go and letting God and, and thinking God is something far away and distant. And mysterious. Right. When when the whole point is to move through this and to come to know that to be true within ourselves. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there's personal powerlessness or powerlessness in general. Um, As a part of that, 
I guess I had noted here to talk about faith. Faith mm-hmm. is kind of similar in that yeah. in the in the pre-state, there's sort of a blind faith that doesn't have a direct experience of knowing. Right. Um, it's sort of like I've been taught that God provides. Right. Yeah. And then in the middle, it's like, well, I recognize that. You know, I'm not getting a magical new car without getting a job. So (laughs) God, God's giving me a job. So I'm going to go get a job and then I can earn a car. Right. And then at the end, you know, it's, it's a whole new experience of faith as just a complete relaxation in the, in the sense of that affirmation. Yes. Yes. Where to me there, so the pre and trans are both faith, but in the pre, like you're saying, it's this blind faith of something external to you, mm-hmm. um, which involves again a lot of spiritual bypassing. That's it's again it's let go and let God. That technically that's an expression of faith, but it's an expression of faith that creates distance or 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 confirms or affirms the seeming distance between oneself and God. And um, until we drop that faith in an extroverted projected God image mm-hmm. and move into personal power or personal agency. Mm-hmm. Um, unless we do that, that, that experience of God is always going to have distance to it. Right. Until we come to the trans place of faith, which is still faith in God, so to speak, but, but in a God that now dwells within. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the uh, deconstruction of of your faith process yes. in a nutshell. Yep. People have been taught these um, mythical level beliefs and concept of an of a external father mm-hmm. god usually mm-hmm. that lives outside of oneself, and in order to come into personal power, feeling empowered, um, having a sense of agency, there's kind of a a rationalization period where everything becomes very intellectual in order to help a person transition out of the magical beliefs of their faith, of their um, pre-faith. And then some people are able to move into the trans faith again. They're able to reconnect to um, their sense of spirituality or have that there's can exist a God that's not like the pre God that they right. were told right. existed. Yeah. yeah. Might be a good place to reference um, Jim Marion and uh, his book, the death of the mythic God. Mm-hmm. Cause that's really what he's describing there mm-hmm. is the, the movement away from this projected image of a, you know, bearded masculine divinity figure (laughs) um into a transcendent place of understanding of god um Mm -hmm. but but again we we don't get to skip the middle and in the middle god dies right yeah the title of his book points to that death of the myth of god um nietzsche despite going crazy with the experience um Mm -hmm. was, was not wrong right and he said god is dead um, nobody understood. Well, not nobody. Some people. Some yeah. people understood what he was saying. Most people didn't. 
So Nietzsche said, God is dead. And people yeah. didn't understand the, the, the true meaning of that, that experience of, of having your father God, who you saw as a loving, benevolent, and, you know, somewhat controlling and patriarchal. Yes, right. <laughs> loving and benevolent, except for when flinging fire and brimstone. Yes. Right. And punishing yeah. you for your sexuality or any number of other indiscretions that one could make, right? Yeah. And I think I think um, people who've grown up in that tradition, they call that a crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. And some people don't ever come out of that crisis of faith. They They bring their faith to the personal level, well, I'm going to have faith in myself and other people. And they're not able to transfer that faith from that middle place into a the trans faith of knowing that God is um, source energy that resides within us and creates our entire world. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next one is um, a sense of aimlessness or purposelessness mm-hmm. in the pre-state that looks like, um, it looks like, you know, teenagers <laughs> <laughs> not knowing what to do with their lives, not knowing yeah. uh, exactly what direction they're going to take, um, not knowing what they want to major in. It looks like people having um, a, a crisis in midlife of like, I don't know why I'm here, what I'm doing, what is the point of all of this? Um so there's a sense of no direction, not knowing how to orient oneself. And however, um, you know, so the middle place is this, it's like finding a sense of purpose and meaning in your life, um, beginning to develop because you are getting to know yourself. Well, I like owning dogs. So part of what gives meaning to my life and purpose and aim in my life is, is having these dogs and taking care of them every day. Or I want to have children, or um, my purpose is to be a teacher, or a healer, or a writer, or whatever else is the thing. And as the sense of personal self begins to become less important or dissolves, becomes more of a tool rather than where one dwells, then you move into this place of aimlessness from a big picture. It's like, each moment has a purpose, but you're not thinking so much about um, who you are in the world. It's, it's a very authentic sense of in each moment I'm acting from this um, deep place inside me that is contributing to the wholeness of, of what's unfolding on the planet. Yep. And to me, that's, that's the key word, um, unfolding. That's that's the word to me that that sort of um, highlights the transcendent experience of aimlessness, right? Mm-hmm. So so when you think of again the, the criticism of of you know um, from from the middle place, the criticism of the pre place is um, you're aimless and mm-hmm. there's no direction to you and and the energy of that is that one needs to cultivate kind of a linearity and and cultivate energy and and point it and and concentrate it and direct it in a linear fashion um, to achieve something to accomplish something to get somewhere 
and and from the pre-place that that is true mm-hmm. we need to do that which brings us to the middle place of linearity mm-hmm. of of having an aim having a goal working towards it making progress but now you listen to the language of that and that's all the language of duality which is not highest truth right, right. and so then the transcendent experience of aimlessness is one of unfolding it's it's not one of of no movement mm-hmm. it's it's not one of chaos it's it's an unfolding in the way that a flower unfolds when it blooms it does it in three dimensions and you'd be hard pressed to say which way is the flower pointing as it unfolds it's pointing everywhere Mm-hmm. As it unfolds, you know, as the sun shines its light, in which direction? And from the ego perspective, we would say, well, clearly, Earth, right? Clearly, the sun is shining at Earth. Well, only from the ego perspective of the human being on Earth. Really, the sun is unfolding and shining its light without aim. It's aimless. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the transcendent experience of aimlessness. I'm I'm thinking to myself of how many times I have texted you and you have texted me. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Yeah. Like we have <laughs> so many times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what, what am I doing here? What is this all about? Um, yeah. The ego wants to, or the persona wants to have a sense of meaning that is, has a linearness to it. Mm-hmm. Like my life has purpose because, you know, at 20, I had kids and then I helped my kids grow up. And then I was a teacher and a a healer in the middle there. And then such and such and such thing unfolded. And that gives us this sense of like, oh, there's a reason for this. And so it's been hard over the years to recognize, you know, as we let go of more and more of these concepts of what we're supposed to be doing here. Every time that happens, it's like, I don't even know what I'm doing. What am I doing here? Oops. Yep. Yep. Yes. And so I think that's a great example to come back to one of the first things that you, that you talked about is, and again, the reason for the conversation is that, that what you and I were experiencing there was, was on the cusp of the middle and transcendent place. And it was, Mm -hmm. it was the moving through that zone. Um, and the moving into the transcendent place and the experience was one of, well, what is this? What word would you use to describe this experience? We'd say by aimlessness, right? Yeah. And we go, well, what the hell? Like I thought, yeah. I, I thought, I thought, <clears throat> I, fixed, I thought I fixed that. Right. Right. I thought 10 years ago, I, I thought, you know, or 20 years ago, whatever it was. Um, because again, we have that pre experience as the frame of reference Right. And so the experience can be one of, uh, it feels like there's a regression. Right. Until you continue to obviously work with the energy and explore and, you know, um, if you're in a relationship, share these things and communicate about them. Um, and eventually come to recognize, oh, okay, it's, it's the same concept. It's aimlessness, but this is very, very different. Right. I used to feel it as a sense of uh, being disoriented. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I kept looking around for like, well, where, what am I supposed to be oriented to now? Right. And then I, 
finally realized there really is no thing to orient to. It's just sort of like, (laughs) I think of it as just being plucked securely in the self, in the perspective of self. Yes, it's the movement out of that linearity that is the domain of the ego. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Again, what what is the sun oriented towards? Everything. Everything yeah. slash nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's aimlessness. Um, Let, let's jump from that because I think um, we in that conversation with aimlessness we sort of also use the word purpose. Okay. And those those are similar, but but then also there's a very short jump from there to to meaning. Or okay. the yeah. or or pre-trans, we would say the pre-trans concept or conflation um is meaninglessness. Sure. Okay. Right? Talk about so, so the again the whole concept here is that it's called the pre-trans fallacy. So the fallacy here would be to associate the true transcendent meaninglessness of life mm-hmm. with a pre sense of meaninglessness or, or vice versa. Although the vice versa in this case doesn't really happen. Um, so the, the early experience of meaninglessness is one of um, despair, mm-hmm. often, right? Um, nihilism. Mm-hmm. would be the philosophy associated with meaninglessness, right? So no, no enlightened being, no, no saint, no sage, guru, teacher, et cetera, would ever describe him or herself as a nihilist. And yet they're going to make the same, quote, philosophical statement as the nihilist. They're going to say life is meaningless, mm-hmm. right? So same statement, life is meaningless. Um, or to come back to the aim, or there, quote, is no point, because mm-hmm. point implies aim. Um, so they're going to make the same statements as the nihilist, but they're having a very different experience of creation <laughs> and of life. Right, right. Right. So in the pre-place, it's this nihilism Um and, and, and we, we need to move from that into a finding of meaning, mm-hmm. a recognition of meaning, um, and finding purpose and direction and aim, all of those things in our life. Once we've done that sufficiently, then there can be this next transition back into an understanding of the, of the ultimate meaningless of, not, of life, which is, it's just... It's the same words that we've already used. I don't know that there's, there isn't a way to explain this at an intellectual level that, that is going to click for people until the direct experience of this has been had. All we can do is just sort of map it out, you know, and say, well, kind of get ready for this. (laughs) Here's what you'll experience. And you've already shared some of that. Um, But, but it's meaninglessness in, in, in the um, same way that life is simply unfolding because that's what it does. Mm-hmm. And, and, there, and it does that without having a, a sort of predetermined or preordained agenda about what is to come. It just, it does that by its very nature in the same way 
that um, <clears throat> you know if you if you take a a sponge or a or a um, foam ball and you squash it and compact it and constrict it, as soon as you remove the pressure, the experience of the ball is one of expansion. Mm -hmm. And in this analogy, the ball would be consciousness, right? And as soon as that pressure is released and the ball begins to expand, the experience of that is, at, at first we would ascribe meaning. It's like, oh, there's all of this meaning and, and um, beauty to life um, that I can see now that I'm expanding. But, but the reality is still one that um, the, the ball is just doing what it does. It's just the physics of consciousness. Um, because in a way to ascribe meaning is to go back to this projected image of God. Mm -hmm. I think to me, that's one of the, if not the fundamental um, components of, of moving into this transcendent place of meaninglessness is that um, we don't continue to project God as something outside us. And this is for people to feel into when, when you, when you think about your needs to find meaning in life, from where does that meaning come? And, and this is just something for people to answer for themselves, right? But, but typically when we talk about there being meaning, a grand meaning, grand purpose in creation, we're assigning that meaning, an origin point outside of us or beyond us or, or that's bigger than us. And we're trying to plug into something that's outside of us, which again, just serves to, to reinforce this distance or projection of God. Mm -hmm. And so sort of like the expression of, of um, the crisis of faith or, you know, Nietzsche saying God is dead. When, when that externalized projected God image goes away or is withdrawn into oneself, um, then that sense of exteriorized meaning goes away with it. Yeah. I want to, talk a little bit about how that has felt for me over time. So um, part, so how my healing process went, I think, is when I began to do my healing work, um, I had all these um, ideas and concepts about what things meant. And every time I would let go of something, let go of some concept, about myself or about others, about the meaning of something, I would be, I would have feel like I was being cast into grief and despair. And the the sense of the feeling of meaningless from a um from a pre-state and nihilistic, I guess, right? And so I would go back and forth repeatedly um, from there's this meaning to none of it means anything. I thought it did. And now I'm sad over and over and over again until spontaneously arriving. Truly, it feels spontaneous, spontaneously arriving in this place where I saw it completely different that only through the lens 
of my individual mind, my sense of having an individual mind and sense of self, did anything have meaning at all in the world? Yes. And when I let go of that, then I moved back into a, it really feels so beautiful and loving. It's not sad at all. It's this idea that I don't need to create meaning about anything that's happening. It's all happening. And there's nothing that I have to say about it or do about it. Mm-hmm. And I can, if I want to create meaning, that's usually for the benefit of someone else. So now, there'll be, n- now it is now, right. now. So yes. So if I'm working with someone that needs to have a sense of meaning, like if they're in the pre-state and they need to get to the middle state of like, there is a meaning behind, for instance, my pain and my suffering, I will help them work to create a sense of meaning for what they're going through. Mm. Not because I need it to have meaning, but because they do to free them from the nihilistic pre-state. Right, exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. I think that's beautifully put. Um, I would, um, I don't have anything to add. I would just, you know, paraphrase, um, by saying meaning is, um, a function of, of the human ego personality. Um, that's where meaning comes from. And it's not, that's not, that's not bad, but, mm-hmm. but the self does not require that. Um, and the self is not um, the quote source of that, mm-hmm. um, at least as it pertains to using dualistic language. And as we're talking about there being meaning in the world, um, meaning is for the the human experience and and that's that's fine but as we seek to know ourselves beyond the human experience to know the self that transcends the human experience um that that involves um moving out of this human ascribed meaning like mm-hmm. you're talking about um when we say meaning, again, even the energy of that, it's like we when we say meaning, it's as though we're trying to capture the essence of the divine <laughs> in pin the it down. experience. Yes, and pin it down. And, and we're making it very pretty. But another way of, of saying um, that, that we let go of meaning when we move into this transcendent place of meaninglessness mm-hmm. is to say we stop telling ourselves stories. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, to have a meaning is to have a story and to tell a story. And stories are illusory. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they're bad. It doesn't mean we can't still play with them. But when we're when we're still lost in the story, it's it's worth recognizing that and be, and um, ceasing to continue telling the stories that we are then lost in, right? It's, all, it's only fun to be in a story when you can remember that you're in a story and remove yourself from the story. 
right? Like nobody would ever go watch a horror movie if you fell into the horror movie and couldn't get out. Right. The, reason, the reason going to a horror movie or any movie is fun is because you can sort of get lost in it <laughs> where all of the meaning lives and then like that, extricate yourself from it and recognize that, that the movie was actually meaningless. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, was a, it was all a story. That's what makes it fun. And the yeah. same can be true of life. So, so this transcendent place of meaninglessness is not one of despair. It's one of actually great joy in the same way that being able to sit down on the couch with you and watch a TV show or a movie is a source of joy because we're having fun and we're experiencing the, the story and the drama, but, but we're not actually being shot at or <laughs> <laughs> whatever it might be. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so sameness is the next topic. So in the pre-state, uh, we see ourselves as the same as our family, our friend group. There's a desire to be identified with the whole. And, and being different is seen as negative. And as we heal and awaken, we begin to be aware of and understand the uniqueness of our ego and mind and personalities. Mm-hmm. And we begin to ex- want to express those and, and enjoy those. Uh, it's a part it's a, it's a part of um, individuation that usually happens when people are in their teenage years, to, if, if they're on track, <laughs> which I, for one, wasn't. But anyway, and then after you have explored the fullness of the specialness of being a unique individual, uh, you begin to sort of drop all ideas of being unique and special. As the ego, as you detach from the idea that you have a separate mind, a unique mind, a special mind, mm-hmm. or a special way of being in the world, and you kind of cir- you spiral, not circle, back into this idea that we're really all the same, as in made from the same source energy, yes. arising from the same mother. Mm. Yeah, and we've, you know, we've touched again previously on um, the the risks of the the middle place of confusing again, not knowing about pre and trans, mm. and confusing the middle place for the end place, mm-hmm. right? And we come and being in the middle place of specialness and uniqueness. And looking back at the pre-state of sameness and going, okay, no, this is this is much better. So I choose this. Mm-hmm. And then you might hear teachings about sameness, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Or being impersonal or without meaning, right? And you look over there and go, oh, no, I don't like that. Like I've, I've been there. I've been there before. I don't like that. No, right. you you haven't been there before. That's 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 the conflation. Right. That's right. the that's the pre-trans fallacy. Um, and so as we've talked about in in um previous conversations about ego and relationship, um 
specialness goes hand in hand with separateness, which is mm-hmm. the domain again of, of the ego. That middle place is the domain of the ego. So, um, you know, if, if our goal, and it, this doesn't have to be your goal, because I don't perceive there to be any meaning. <laughs> do whatever you want to do. I don't care. <laughs> but if if your goal is to awaken, to know yourself, to be self-realized, then then that means leaving the domain of specialness behind, which means moving back into sameness, but a very different experience of sameness mm-hmm. um, than of the pre-version of that. Right. Yes, but it, it's so easy for people to spiritually bypass into, I mean, you hear it all the time. Someone who on the surface is like looking to be really different, like they may even have like the archetypal inflation of priestess or guru or something, mm-hmm. and they've differentiated themselves in some way preaching or talking about how we're all from the same source energy right it's like a ridiculous paradox to see Mm -hmm. that in action yeah it it, it is and yeah it's it's part of that trap Mm -hmm. yeah and so again the advantage of knowing the that there is a transcendent a trans experience that looks like the pre-experience no, and there's there's where the faith comes in, having having a new kind of faith and understanding of that. One can then look at at anything that's associated with the middle place and voluntarily begin to dismantle it, knowing that that just speeds the movement through this transition zone into the trans place. And so that, in this case, looks like being willing to drop any association um, of specialness. Yeah, and I think. Again, even that, like for me, where I started, I definitely didn't perceive myself to be special in any way. Literally no way was I special or unique or interesting. And so if I had been dropping my perceptions of being special and different and interesting before I had even created them, (laughs) I would have gotten nowhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely nowhere. Because I hadn't even created any kind of sense of self, any kind of sense of like, I have some kind of gift of any kind or anything Mm -hmm. at all to offer the world. Yeah. 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 Again, even the fact that it's called the the trans or transcendent experience to to transcend is to um, climb across. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have to climb across or move across this this middle space and you can't do that by skipping it um yep yeah so you can try (laughs) (laughs) you can try and um yeah get stuck Mm -hmm. okay um so another one was um alone or aloneness a similar sort of idea here the pre-version of that is is to be um, by oneself in a world full of separate beings. There are a bunch of people and I am away from them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so there are these uh, similar to before connotations of 
um, nihilism or um, despair, uh, et cetera. It's, it's, it's the not fun version of alone. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then we transition into connectivity, feeling connected, feeling uh, relation, being in relationship, having um, connections with other human beings. Finding your tribe. Yeah, great. Finding your tribe is, is an example, yes, of, of that um, healthy progression out of um, aloneness mm-hmm. into connectivity and relatability. Mm-hmm. But, but again, the language gives it away. Relate and connect implies two. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the domain of duality. It's the domain of um, ego. And then mm-hmm. there's another transition zone into um, the experience of I am, which is the experience of, of um, the, the reality of the singleness of consciousness. It's I am, and then there's, there's nothing after that. <laughs> and, and that's all that there is. And, and there's just the one I, hence alone. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you're, you're back to being alone when you are the one thing in creation. But it's being alone without being lonely, which is different than the, the pre-experience of, is to be alone and lonely. Right. So. Yeah. Right. I, and when I think back over uh, my healing process, I remember you and I took a class a um, long time ago now where we had to identify what we thought was our fundamental belief, mm. which in the context of that class was our number one most painful belief. And for me, that was, I am alone. Um, and that was in part formed by the fact that at that time in my life, I hadn't sought the similarity in the world around me. I had only um, subconsciously uh, enmeshed myself with people around me, but I hadn't gone deeper into people's hearts, into my own heart to see how um, everything really is connected and related. Makes sense. So I had, yeah. So, so I felt very separate and different and like, Nobody really understands, and I don't even understand myself. So letting go of that belief of feeling like a separate self took a very long time. And I had to go through the process of, wow, that person feels ashamed in that situation. I also have felt ashamed. Oh, that person has done that thing. I have done that thing too. And that was years and years of um, growing up and waking up to the the really how people are all having very similar experiences and feelings. And once I had assimilated all of that information, again, rather spontaneously, I I had this revelation of, oh, I am alone. And I remember looking up the word alone in the etymology dictionary thing and recognizing all one is built into that word alone. And it was like, I don't know, like a switch just went. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm alone. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'll, I'll put, um, I'll put the hermit card up here for, for people to look at. Cause that's one of my favorite, um, from the major arcana of Tarot. Um, that's, that's the, uh, universal imagery of this transcendent aloneness mm. and what it means to be alone. And it's, it's not lonely. It's, it's a place of warmth and, and rest actually. Um, and it's, it's, it's a place from which we can be of service as well. Mm-hmm. So when we're, when we're in that place of relatability, um, certainly we can show up in the world and be loving. But the reality is whenever we're acting through the perspective of ego consciousness, mm-hmm. um, whenever, whenever it is the ego that is the agent of doing in the world, Ultimately, all we're doing is reinforcing ego. It doesn't matter even if it's loving ego. So only when we move from relatability and relation um, back into this place of aloneness, which is um, symbolized by the image of the hermit, um, that's where we can actually really be of service. Right. So as I was going through my process of seeing how everyone was actually the same (laughs) as me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I could see myself with a capital S in everyone. And because of that, want the the desire to find common ground with people, Mm. common ground became all I could feel and perceive. Mm. Well, although I I can, if I need to, understand differences. This is not the same as, uh, like, when people um, say, I don't see color. I don't care if you're black, white, or whatever. I don't see that. That's a pre-state of this. That's a denial of someone's need to be in the middle place right. and to be owning their their blackness or their Asianness or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, in the trans place, one is respectful of people's need to be in the middle place of individuation. To be unique or different or separate, special, right. et cetera. Yeah. And yet we as perceiving through the self do not see any differences. There are no differences to see. So let's just, let's give a couple more examples. I think hopefully people are getting the idea and we don't, we don't need to kind of um, go into great detail, detail on each one. Um, but another one that's good um, as a psychological frame of reference that I, that you have down there is, is about boundaries or, or the pre-trans would be boundarylessness, right? So knowing that there is a transcendent experience where there are no boundaries, this is the experience of oneness, aloneness. If you are mm-hmm. just the one thing, if you are alone in union, unity, um, then, then there's no such thing as a boundary because a boundary makes two. Right. So if there are, if there is not two, which is, the highest truth that is Advaita literally means not to. 
um, then there are no boundaries, right? Right. But psychologically speaking, and just in the development of consciousness, and, and you and I, again, have many, many experiences on a daily basis working with people who are having difficulty in life. Mm -hmm. um, you don't tell people who are in the pre-place or trying to solidify their consciousness into that middle place. You don't tell those people there's no such thing as boundaries. <laughs> you, mm -hmm. you tell those people the opposite and you point out to them, well, the reason that you are feeling angry all the time is because you aren't enforcing your boundaries or you don't have a good sense of what your boundaries are or should be or need to be. And, and so that's the teaching at that place. So, so the pre-experience is one of um, not having a strong enough appreciation for boundaries, which are required to differentiate or individuate to begin to know one's small s self, one's personal self in the world. Mm -hmm. And to come into a place of healthy boundaries in the middle before those boundaries then dissolve back into oneness. Right. Yep. Very important. Mm -hmm. And then um, what's the last one? Do you want to touch on that? Uh, sure. So the last one is self-centeredness. I love that one. So. In the beginning, in the pre-state, one's concept of oneself is one's ego and one's mind and one's personality. So innately, when we're young, we have a sense of self that is, is the most important thing. <laughs> we are focused on what we need, um, getting our needs met, getting our, you know, getting what we want. And then we can evolve through individuation, through healing processes, into becoming aware of what people around us need and want. So there's sort of an expansion of a sense of self, so to speak. Um, at the end, at the trans place, once again, we return to a sense of being centered in the self, self-centered. But the who the self is is totally different. It's not my ego is the most important. My mind is the most important. It's the entirety of creation. Everything manifest and unmanifest is who I am. And I am centered, literally centered in this. My perspective is centered in this. Right. <laughs> Anything right. else? <laughs> <laughs> I think that captures it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, just very briefly, you know, the importance in knowing about pre-trans and, and being able to make these distinctions is, is because, you know, you will run into to people or, or maybe you run into this in yourself where, where, you know, there's a sense of um, always putting oneself first and, and, Maybe because there's there's some justification there that you've heard it taught that um, one needs to be centered in self mm -hmm. and and have that as the priority. And yes, that's true. But um, 
the extent to which that looks like narcissism is is the extent to which one is um, inflating or or elevating um, their perspective. In other words, you're still really in a pre-place of self-centeredness where mm -hmm. the world revolves around you. Mm -hmm. um, that's not what it looks and feels like to be centered in capital S self in the transcendent place. Right. Because the you is different. Yes. <laughs> so generally speaking about the pre-trans fallacy, uh, the point of having the conversation is to help people see perhaps where they are on the spectrum. Uh, are you in a pre-state? Are you in a middle place? Are you in a, in a trans state? Um, and to help people support the transitions between pre and middle and middle and trans. The, the difficulty moving from pre to middle is that you might think you're at trans. You might, you might believe that you are in this end state of consciousness without having gone through the middle state, which is important. The difficulty from moving from the middle place to the trans place is that you might be afraid to step into the awareness of the trans place because you are looking back into the past and not, like, not willing to move into that. Being, being afraid that the trans place is the victimization, the powerlessness, the self-centeredness. It's the ego orientation that one is in, yes. in the pre-state. Yes, the, the progression will look and feel a lot like a regression mm -hmm. un, until you explore it and begin to experience and learn the, the subtleties and differences. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Great. So... Um, I think just a way of kind of highlighting this in a single statement or example would be um, if I said uh, I am the center of the universe or I am the only thing in creation, am I crazy or am I enlightened? That's the pre-trans fallacy. If, if somebody on the listening end of that is in the middle place where the pre-place doesn't know the difference and you hear somebody say, I am the center of creation or I am the only thing that exists, then, and that's all the information you have, you, you literally can't determine if the speaker is crazy, hallucinating, a solipsist, a narcissist, etc., mentally ill mm -hmm. <laughs> or enlightened. Um, so that's the essence of the pre-trans fallacy is that the mentally ill and the saint will say many of the same things mm -hmm. and we need to learn to understand what the difference is. Mm -hmm. Well said. Ditto, my love. Mm -hmm. Till okay. next time. Till next time. Mm -hmm.